afternoon, everyone from Singapore, and good morning to our speaker joining us today. Welcome back to our public education series hosted by the Middle East Institute at the National University of Singapore. This public education series is on the Gulf states, Gulf Arab states, and we have done a series of webinars throughout 2021 uh, covering you know, different aspects of these states. Uh, first, we adopted a, a rather thematic approach covering things like energy, uh, topics such as leadership, regional dynamics, and then we moved on to country-specific episodes covering each country and its own unique characteristics. My name is Clemens Che, and I'm a research fellow at the, at the Middle East Institute here. And today I'm very pleased to bring you the 13th episode of our series. And it's, it will be on Azubara, Azubara archeological site. And today's session really is, it's jointly organized with the Embassy of the State of Qatar in Singapore, where we have also secured our speaker, esteemed speaker today, Dr. Ferhan Sakal from Qatar Museums. So today he is going to be talking to us about uh, our Zubara site. And without further ado, let me now give a brief introduction of our Zubara in history before I pass it over to Dr. Sakal. Let me now share my screen. So when we first started discussing about the topic of this webinar, we, we, we talked about the site, of course, and Al-Zubara in, in Qatar. Uh, there's many stories to the site. And, and, and when in our discussion, in our private discussion between myself and Dr. Franz Sakal, we decided that this has to go you know, beyond history, but also looking at what implication it has for tourism in Qatar and also interesting points about excavation. Of course, uh, this has to do with a lot with the expertise of Dr. Sakal. So a bit more about the history of our Zubara and, and one of the important works on, on Qatar's history is, is done by and written by uh, Alan James Fromhurst. And in this abstract or extract of the book that you see in your screen now, uh, he, he noticed that you know, Zubara on the north was the main thriving center in, for much of the 18th and early 19th centuries. And local Qatari villages established Zubara as early as 1638. And of course, there was a lot of migration uh, going on during that time. And we will see you know, in, in, in the course of history, you know, our Zubara uh, you know, dwindled in influence, but Doha, or as, as it was known as Bida, uh, back then, you know, rose in prominence. And this is something we would like uh, our speaker to, to talk a bit about later on. So we are talking about a pearling town that was bustling back in the days. And so you could see all the intersections of trade going on uh, where this thriving port was involved. And, and one of the uh, extracts here from, from her book talks about, you know, different kinds of objects that were, that were found and, and discovered in Qatar, including Chinese porcelain, West African coins, and pieces from Thailand. So it shows the extent of the kind of you know, seafaring connections and maritime trade that was going on back in the day. And also, of course, you know, when we talk about the Gulf Arab states that are lining the coast, we are also talking about primarily about the trade of pearling or pearl diving 
as many have, 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 have already pointed out, but of course, our speaker today will be going one step further to take us through in, in more on the urban life or the day-to-day -day living or what, what can be found and, and understood from the excavated findings. So as I said earlier, um, by the end of the 19th century, if you look at the excerpt on your right, um, you know, the, the population of, of Doha you know, increased and it became to be that center that Zubara once was. So I think that is something we would like to our speaker to, to cover again today. And finally, some photos to end off my brief introduction because you know, it, we had a chat earlier with me, myself, and, and Dr. Sakal on the, of the photo on, on the left, which is, uh, you know, plucked out from the, from the Qatar Digital Library. And, and Qatar Digital Library has been uh, scanning such photos and records from the British Library. And one of them is this supposed photo of Azubara. And Dr. Sakal earlier pointed out that this, this may not be the exact site. I think the British got it wrong, but he will, he will explain a little further, uh, a little bit more later on. And on the right, to your right of your screen are photos that are courtesy of Qatar Museums. And it also shows what it's like today, the site today, and how excavation is going on. And I think uh, in Dr. Saka's presentation, we'll be seeing more of those. So before I hand it over to Dr. Farhan Saka, let me introduce his bio. He joined a Qatar Museums in 2013 and of course currently holds the position of Head of Excavation and Site Management at the Department of Archaeology at Qatar Museums. He has a PhD in Near Eastern Archaeology and has worked in several excavation projects before going to Qatar, and uh, some of which cover Turkey, Syria, Lebanon, Egypt, and Germany. And he was a field director at multiple excavation and survey projects. And also, I would like to warmly welcome Dr. Farhan Sako right now and pass it on to him. Thank you so much. Thank you for this uh, invitation and thank you for the uh, possibility to speak about uh, Zubara and, and explain about what we are doing actually. And I would like to thank uh, the Middle East Institute at the National uh, University of Singapore uh, for the invitation and also uh, to the, the Embassy of State of Qatar in Singapore to organizing uh, co-organizing this event. Um, I will share my screen and then we can continue. Just a second. So you can see it clearly. Just a final check. Thank you. So um, as um, you already heard, we will speak about um, Al Zubara today. Um, it's a pearling town in uh, the state of Qatar. Uh, just to remind you where state of Qatar is, uh, I mean, I'm sure that many of you know and, and but I was thinking maybe uh, some people have joined this webinar for the first time and don't know where the, some countries are and so on. So uh, Qatar is located on the uh, eastern uh, coast of the Arabian Peninsula here. 
and it is a uh, peninsula itself, and it has uh, only connection, only land connection is to Saudi Arabia, and it is uh, approximately 11, uh, 11 and a half uh, thousand square kilometers. Um, the town, the Perling town, 18th century Perling town that we are speaking about today, El Zubara is uh, located on the northwest uh, uh, coast of Qatar in a uh, shallow bay, which is, um, um, you see here, surrounded with the peninsula here, and the town itself is located on that part. So it's a pearling town, uh, as the title was saying, and, um, but uh, the, the tradition of pearling and pearl fishery probably uh, goes back to very early times, not only, you know, it was not only something very uh, fashionable or, or um, 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 uh, done intensively in the 18th and 19th century, um, and we have clues about early pearl fishery also, which I want to show here briefly, our uh, discovery from, um, uh, from uh, last year. Um, uh, before I show this, I want to show you also the, uh, the pearl beds. I mean, why in this region people were pearling, of course, because of the existence of the pearl beds, which you can see here. And this also emphasize or underline the, uh, the strategic location of Zubara at the northwest uh, coast of Qatar. So um, the discovery that we made last year, um, actually it's two years now almost, um, is a Neolithic uh, grave um, just two kilometers uh, south of uh, Zubara itself. Um, um, there was a Neolithic cemetery and, and there are some graves and in one of the graves we were able to find one pearl. So it shows and underlines that the pearl fishery existed already in the Neolithic period, which would be in this case uh, something like 6,500 from now. Um, so um, we have of course um, other uh, sites in the region which and uh, during the Neolithic period which has pearls in which this map uh, shows and the oldest one coming from uh, Marawa in UIA uh, but now we can add one more uh, point here where Wadi Dabayan uh, this is the Neolithic site in Qatar has uh, one of the uh, oldest pearl so it's an old tradition uh, keeping up uh, uh, through the centuries and, and through millennia and uh, coming to its very, very high point at the 18th century. Uh, when we are looking at the maps of the early maps of the 18th century, we have here the uh, map of uh, Karsten Niebuhr, uh, which displays the situation in 1765. Um, uh, and shows the um, locations or settlements in Qatar. Uh, however, uh, you see that the Qatari Peninsula is not uh, perfectly uh, recognized. Uh, this is because 
probably Karsten Nierbohr has never been to Qatar by himself, but um, was in Muscat and, and hearing about this area and writing down and mapping this area by hearing the information. So he never been to Qatar, this we know. And uh, therefore the, the geographically exact um, display of Qatar is not given. Also the, uh, the places are play, um, um, displayed in a, in a wrong uh, direction. So Freha would be uh, in that direction and Qatar, which, which is probably Doha would be in, in here. So we see also in Niebuhr's um, uh, description or in another publication, which is called Description uh, of uh, Arabia, um, uh, these places are um, uh, exactly written with their Arabic, um, correctly Arabic pronunciation, like here, Qatar for the first time. Um, when we move on to 1824, um, here is a map by Brooks when the Brits uh, came to the Gulf area. Um, we already see that the Zubara is uh, displayed, which was not the case in Nibor's map, um, but it is already extensive ruins. So what happened in the, in, in the meantime? Um, we have here short history of, of um, uh, Zubara. Um, so um, the tribes which were in, in Kuwait and Basra region, especially the Uta tribe, moved from this area after, um, 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 after some regional problems and in, in early 1760s. And they came to the area of Zubara and established a settlement in maybe 1762 or 1766. Um, this uh, tribe um, then was um, attacking Bahrain and uh, conquered Bahrain. And, as consequence, uh, was a block, uh, uh, there was a sea blockade by Sheikh of uh, Bushair and who attacked in uh, Zubara and was not successful. But uh, you see already uh, the problems of the regions are actually very similar. And, and there were also at that time some blockades. Um, and and um, you see that Zubara was attacked several times and the main attack was in 1811 by the Omani-backed forces, and then the settlement was abandoned. Um, and there we see the extensive ruins in British maps, which is here displayed. And then the resettlement of the site in a smaller scale uh, took place uh, sometimes in the mid 19th century. And then there were new um, players in the region like the Ottomans um, had interest on, on Zubara. And um, at the, almost at the end of the 19th century, we have the second destruction and abandonment of Zubara. Uh, although there were some resettlement uh, attempts, um, the site has never been then resettled. And, um, in 1938, then we have the construction of uh, Zubara Fort. 
which is more famous and uh, about which more or less everybody knows, but the archaeological site is uh, less visited and, and less known. Here we have a satellite image from 1958, um, where before the infrastructure of the area was um, updated, so there are no modern roads and so on. This shows more or less the uh, situation, how it was in um, at that time. Also, so we have the coastal town here, which is surrounded with a city wall. And then we have the Murair fort, which is built for the protection of the water sources, which are a little bit higher than the normal area here. So these coastal areas are narrower than this um, highly raised and uh, slightly raised um, landscape here. And then we have the third component of the area, the Zubara Fort, which was built <clears throat> in 1938. Um, what you can see also here is a man-made channel, which connects the, um, the, uh, the Bay of Zubara with Murair Fort area where the uh, sweet water sources were. Um, also, between the town and water, um, there was this protected corridor, which um, had two walls, uh, two screening or curtain walls, uh, connecting the city with uh, Kalat Murair uh, and, the, and the, the, the sources of the water um, to have a secure pass <clears throat> to, to get the um, to get water whenever it was needed. And here you can see a rectangular structure, which was probably the prayer ground for um, eight play and prayers, a special uh, prayer. Um, and in, it needed to be uh, done uh, in the open in landscape. And this area was chosen at that time. So I want to give you a brief uh, information about also the excavation history. And, and at the same time, I will also explain what uh, the, um, some archeologists, uh, some teams found. And this will also give you uh, general information about what you can see at the site when you come and visit it. So the first excavations took place by a local uh, team. Uh, from 1981 to 1983. And so although the site was never forgotten and it was always in the memory of the population here, the first um, excavation took place in that late in uh, 1980s. In this excavations, um, um, the team um, concentrated uh, themselves on uh, some structures which were really nicely visible already. And um, uh, this is here so-called North House. It's a very long um, uh, 
single unit with uh, several courtyards interconnected with each other and surrounded with uh, rooms with different functions. So this is already representing the, in, um, the very typical character of the uh, architecture here. We have open courtyards and, and room with different function, functions uh, surrounding the area, um, representing a unit to live. So there are several units interconnected with each other. And in this case, this building was probably also uh, uh, fortified with, with a corner tower. So the building itself is uh, here. I, I don't know if you can see my mouse or when I uh, do uh, this. <clears throat> Clemens, can you give me a, a confirmation on that? You, can you see my mouse or? Yes, yes, I can see it moving. Okay, so um, maybe one of the very interesting things that uh, have been found in this house is uh, this um, engraving, uh, which um, depict a Tao. So let's go a little bit closer. Uh, you can see here the ship from, from profile. And you can see here, there is also a flag uh, engraved on the, on the uh, bench. So these benches are located in this area. Um, the, um, several of this kind of engravings we will see in other areas, but this is one of the very typical uh, elements of um, um, the archaeology in Zubara. So there are uh, furthermore, um, engravings have been found in other areas. Um, in this 1980s excavations, um, um, the team also excavated in an area very near to the coast. And in this area, they uh, discovered several uh, rooms uh, built side by side, small cells, open towards the sea probably receiving goods from the sea. So these are um, clearly uh, storage um, uh, storehouses. And uh, the team decided to call this area the souk area. So the, this is the commercial area of the, of the town, which makes sense. It is in the middle and reachable from the every uh, corner of the town itself. Um, further excavations have been done by local team in 2002 to 2005. Um, they excavated an area uh, which is in the northern uh, coast of the settlement. Um, it is an area with uh, courtyard houses, probably uh, of the Pearl Malchins, uh, houses. Some are larger and some are smaller and uh, represents the you know also different hierarchy within the within the population maybe the most important and uh, significant project is um, started in 2009 it was um, and, and continued until 2014 it was a cooperation project between university of copenhagen and qatar museums uh, it calls uh, Qatar Islamic Archaeology and Heritage uh, uh, Short uh, Kia. And um, 
it, it was a very large group of uh, scientists from different fields, archaeologists, um, heritage managers, and, and uh, architects, and historians, and outreach specialists, and so on. And uh, it was a really big team of professionals worked in this uh, town from um, 2009 to 2014. And most of the material that I'm going to show you is also uh, done during this time. So this documentation and the pictures you will see and so on are from this project. Uh, we have um, a lot of um, um, internal reports from this project. So every year there was a end of season report, which is very, detailed and so on. And, and they also um, establish a conservation handbook to give guidelines how to conserve and how to monitor and how to um, care about the ruins that are excavated. The last publication uh, from this project, we can say it just came just two days ago uh, was there was the integration of the new book. This is the El Zubara, uh, Qatar's uh, World Heritage City. Um, it is available in, in Arabic and in English, and you can get it from the <clears throat> Qatar University Press also online. So it is just freshly came out. So the Kia project um, did the first <clears throat> detailed mapping of the entire site. So what we have here is a coastal town, which is 60 hectare large and uh, built on, on um, a beach front and uh, surrounded by a city wall or a town wall, uh, better to say. And uh, there are several different elements within the within the town, and um, which were, you know, uh, by uh, utilizing the aerial pictures and also terrestrial survey, um, uh, this mapping was done, and different buildings were identified, and also different functions were identified. So we have domestic quarters. Uh, the dark green ones, and then we have uh, mosques, uh, the blue ones. Um, and then we have larger compounds that are fortified within the fortified city itself. So we have the palatial compound here uh, and another compound, a smaller one here. And then we have the beach fort, so-called beach fort here. And uh, we see also that the um, city wall is existing only in the terrestrial or uh, only in the terrestrial fr front. So reaching from the south side with uh, corner towers in, in regular distances and going to the north part of the town and even reaching into the sea here. But the, the beach itself doesn't have any fortification. That is uh, because the, the coast is here very, um, very uh, narrow and probably the attack from the sea was not important than the attack from the land at that time. 
So the brief uh, chronology of the site, what uh, the KIA project has uh, documented, um, um, have six phases uh, starting from the uh, 1760s or earlier, which, which very uh, um, small evidence of um, tents and huts. And, and then we have the main phase. This is this planned town, um, completely planned uh, roads, and, and all of them are leading to the beach area, which shows also the importance of the interconnection with the seas and sea trade. Um, and then we have the destruction in uh, 1811, which I mentioned before, and then the town was abandoned. And the, we have the resettlement in late uh, 1820s in a smaller area, um, probably um, a pearl fishing community um, uh, um, settled here. And we have, again, a town wall surrounding um, this area. So um, there are, if, if you read here in, in the text, you will see inner and outer uh, fortification, but they never existed at the same time. So this is the older town wall, and this is their smaller inner or, or younger town wall. And then uh, this uh, small settlement was uh, gradually abandoned. Maybe the most important um, architectural feature of the, of the, of the site is the so-called palatial compound in the south part of the city. Uh, it's, as I said, it's a fortified uh, 100 by 100 meter uh, large um, uh, structure. Um, and uh, this corner of the structure was excavated by the Kia team. Um, already from the unexcavated part, you can also see there are several courtyards visible already in the aerial images and confirmed by the excavation on this corner and in this uh, compound. So uh, all in all, nine, nine compounds were within the um, so-called palatial compounds. And again, here, as we see in the North House and from the um, earlier Qatari excavations, we have open courtyards and, and rooms with different functions surrounding this area. What we see here also very clearly is a very uh, um, typical feature of um, the architecture of the re region that um, the living units are never, never uh, directly enterable, so accessible. So to access this area, you have to go through a corridor and then turn and then turn again and enter here. So this is the matter of, of course, privacy so that people were, uh, you know, um, concerned about their, uh, their family and so on. And you can also uh, in 1940s and 50s architecture, you can see that there are curtain walls um, uh, just um, um, uh, giving a privacy to, to the household. So you cannot go directly enter and, and the private areas. 
Uh, here you see uh, artistic reconstruction of the building. So with four corner towers, it's a fort-like structure as said uh, with, with uh, different compounds, uh, with uh, open courtyards. And here we have um, maybe a detailed view of this area. Uh, again, you can enter the building from here. Uh, over a small room to a courtyard where the life was happening. And then we have uh, um, rooms with different functions or so resting rooms uh, or uh, bathrooms. Um, here, um, additional small uh, courtyards and kitchen and so on. Um, here you see a view from the kitchen um, and, and this is actually this room. Uh, so you can see tanuors dip into the ground and, and use for, for cooking uh, activities. And here you have a view of the corridor. So the visitor would see first this view and then turn at the end and enter the building. Uh, one of the interesting feature is matbasa, um, so date press of the of the this compound. So we see that they have a, a production within, the, uh, within their compound. Uh, um, and, and I will show you how this is functioning. So this is so-called uh, date press, matbasa um, in Arabic. Um, uh, you have to imagine sacks of, of dates uh, put on this grooved floor. And then through the weight of, uh, by the weight of its own weight, or maybe they would put also stones on it, the honey of the date would flow down. And this will then flow through these channels and then flow in that direction and then collect it at the corner in a jar, which was let into the ground. So uh, this is um, um, a production of so-called dips, uh, dates, um, um, date molasses, and it was crucial for the nutrition of the people at that time. Um, so that is crucial. It is visible that um, even this building or this compound had its own. So it was uh, producing date molasses for this household. Uh, further um, elements of the architecture, um, the Kia team found some um, geometric um, uh, gypsum carvings on the on the uh, on the ground, and luckily um, a part of this was still attached on the door slab. This is this would be here, uh, so that all the other fragments could be together and uh, we could have this kind of reconstruction of the entrance of this room, which seems to be the most representative room of the, of the household. Probably this was the place where the, the, uh, the owner of the house or owner of this compound was receiving his guests. So already also from the architectural element we see um, difference within the hierarchy of the society. 
further elements and, and painstakingly uh, documented by the Kia team are uh, the arches. So we see here uh, the excavation situation and then it was put together and reconstructed to a pointed arch, which is also a very typical element of the local architecture. Um, as pointed out uh, by the Qatari, early Qatari excavations, and uh, we have several um, etchings of uh, dows, so the boats uh, which were used for uh, pearl fishery or trade and so on, and these are very precious and very interesting at the same time, because they give uh, quite um, exact information uh, about how the dows were built, what kind of elements they had, what kind of decoration maybe they had. And these were etched on the walls of especially this compound, so a neighboring compound, not this one. Um, here we, we see an excavation picture of this etched uh, dows. Um, you, you, you see also the, the logo of the Kia project is a dow, which was not found here, but found in the center of the town. Um, in an, another excavation area where a uh, um, house again was excavated, we see similar architecture again, uh, open courtyard, a curtain wall, which is um, stopping people to look inside the courtyard and uh, where people had to come in and maybe wait in this area and served in this area before they enter or they never entered the private areas. So the Dao engraving or etching or graffiti, um, call it as you like, uh, was found in this wall. And it is one of the most beautiful one and one of the most exact one actually. And um, it's, it's um, as you see, it's a quite large one also, and uh, was etched very, very nicely and show a kind of a artistic, uh, you know, ability of the person who engraved it. In the same area where, um, we were talking about before, uh, by the early Qatari excavation, where the storehouse rooms were found, um, there were uh, Kia team excavated south of this area and found further uh, date presses, so uh, matbasa in this area, and we see a street here and there. Uh, you can see the street again here, and right and left side of this area, and even further. Uh, a further row here was full with um, this um, date presses, which shows, which demonstrates actually uh, that there was a commercial activity taking place. So it was not only uh, for the needs of a family or a clan, probably they were producing a high, a huge number of date molasses or a huge amount of date molasses, which were probably also exported. So um, 
Yes, and, and uh, in the northern part of this, uh, underneath the, um, the Qatari excavations, uh, these uh, date presses also continue. So in, in between, we have over 30 date presses in this commercial area or, or as named by the Qatari mission, uh, Souk area. Um, also, the defense wall of the town was excavated. So you can see here uh, the view of the excavated towns uh, already uh, the, by the Qatari teams in the 80s, they were partly excavated. Here you see a new uh, the excavation of the Kia team. Uh, so this is the city wall, town wall, and attached to its semicircular um, tower. Uh, with a circular um, staircase inside. And uh, they were also, they were able to find some cannonballs which shows, uh, sorry, which shows the, you know, the defense element or defense character of the wall which underlines it a lot. So you can see again here, the town wall. And uh, semicircular towers. Yeah, uh, the town was built as, as said by the Pearl Martians. And uh, this um, uh, of course shows that uh, there is a connection with the Pearl diving and Pearl uh, trading. Uh, which was very important by uh, 18th century because the most of the courts in, in, in um, if it's uh, Iran or, or European uh, uh, king houses and so on, and, and they were demanding uh, pearls to be used as jewelry and the crowns and so on. So, and, and to cover this demand, uh, these merchants then came to this area and start with the pearl fishery or, or um, build up the pearl fishery, which was uh, probably already existing in that area. Uh, so you see here how pearl diving would function. So uh, this is a pearl diver's weight. Uh, the diver would uh, jump into the sea with this weight and to reach the uh, seabed very, very quickly and then leave it there. That's why it has its own rope. And then uh, collect as much as possible um, the shells and then uh, give his body up uh, a sign and then his body would uh, pull him up. Um, uh, other elements of pearl diving is this basket um, and this nose clip here, which was also found during the excavations at Zubara, as you can see here. Uh, the pearl diver's uh, weight uh, was found also in rooms, sometimes in, in a row, probably were hanging on the wall and um, then uh, gradually they, they just fall down. Um, this is one knife which was used to open the oyster shells uh, to look for the pearl. And you see here one oyster uh, shell with, uh, with uh, not completely built up pearl. Uh, 
Um, during the excavations, actually in the uh, in the house where the large Dao carving um, uh, etching was found, um, also in the courtyard, a chest, wooden chest was found. Um, this is a pearl uh, merchant's chest, and and um, it has uh, you know uh, small uh, departments where you can collect the pearls and and also waits for for uh, waving the pearl and 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 sieves and so on um uh, one weight one metal weight was also found during the excavation which is a very character uh, character one um which you can see in the region's museums as a set um pearls not so so these pearls um that have been found here and uh, were found actually in freha which is a town uh, just five kilometer north of uh, Zubara. From Zubara, we have only one single pearl until now, uh, which shows actually the um, how the town was probably plundered several times, and and uh, so that uh, there have not been found any pearls or or only one pearl until now. Um, yeah. Archaeologists love to put their sites, of course, in the center of uh, anything. So uh, right now we have here Zubara, and uh, this map shows the connection of uh, Zubara with the region. So um, these uh, places you have to follow here. So the place Rasel Haima is actually here, or Muscat is here, and of course not here. Um, and it shows the interconnection within the region, but also outside of the region, in this case, uh, to Surat. This kind of connections uh, archaeologists read from mostly from the pottery, uh, which is really abandoned uh, um, in, the, in the site because it's a, it's a material that you can get easily. And when it's broken, you just throw it away. That's why uh, we found a, a lot of shirts of pottery. Uh, but also uh, porcelain, which was coming from China and Japan. Um, here, very, very uh, typical um, shirt of uh, Julfar uh, pottery. Uh, Julfar was uh, where uh, Ras al Haima is, is today. Uh, so um, these kind of elements, of course, help archaeologists to understand the uh, trade connection of the town. And uh, we have also, you know, wood coming from uh, Africa and coffee also coming from Yemen and so on, this kind of elements also within the town. Uh, further finds uh, like coins gives us also uh, clear in information about the connections. Here we have a German jeton and an Ottoman coin and uh, glass bottles uh, for probably perfume and, and medicine. So um, people were not poor. Uh, so uh, through the uh, pearl fishery and pearl trade, um, uh, they gain a lot of money and could you know, buy this kind of things like um, this uh, figurine uh, from China, which was uh, on the top of a lid of a uh, pot and also um, some incense burner from Oman. 
Um, archaeologists read also a lot of information from the garbage of the uh, of the town. So um, there are several places where we can find middens just outside of the city wall. So this is the city wall here. You can see the tower. And just outside of the city wall, they would just um, um, dump their uh, garbage. And then you can see here on the section, this is the section of the, of the area, here, thin layers of garbage, you know, uh, when they cooked and, and they would uh, uh, throw everything out with ashes and so on. And within this, um, archaeologists find, um, find um, um, remains of, um, you know, uh, the date uh, uh, stones here, and there's a peach and, and also animal and, and further uh, or uh, fish remains, but also botanical remains. Like in this case, we have a grape here and a, a melon uh, and bread wheat and uh, rice hunks. Um, barley and uh, millet. So we, we can actually uh, quite easily reconstruct the diet of the people. So what they were eating. And this again gives us the possibility to understand uh, from where this kind of um, uh, you know, food was coming because uh, uh, we can then understand if they are uh, um, native plants or native animals, or they were brought from abroad. So this gives us uh, the possibility to understand the further connections of the of the town. Uh, of course, uh, on the remains on the bones and so on gives us also the possibility to understand how they were cut, which parts of the animals were used for for um, cooking and um, and so on. The, uh, one of the very important elements of the living in the coast is, of course, water. So if you are living in, in that area, which is just one or two meters higher than the normal sea level, um, when you dig a well, uh, you would not get uh, water here, sweet water. So the sweet water sources were in an in a elevated area. You see this break in the landscape here. Um, so, and then uh, they dug up uh, larger wells where they were harvesting a very thin layer of sweet water aquifer. Um, and as said before, uh, they even uh, dug a channel here to connect the sea uh, with this area probably to, to get water easily and to supply the pearl uh, flat, uh, which, is, which was waiting here to, to, uh, to sail for pearl fishery or for trade. Uh, because if you can see, uh, if you can imagine that they were um, transporting water actually this two kilometer distance every day for the need of people living in this town. It is a huge work, and and probably they try to ease this uh, transport, uh, but um, in 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 a while uh, this was uh, given up, and we are actually not very sure if uh, the channel was in use a very long time. 
so that they built these two screening walls, uh, which gave uh, you know secure connection to the town. Not only the town itself, but also the uh, underwater um, uh, remains are very important. So in in uh, sorry, uh, in 2017 and 18, there was a, um, a marine archaeology project, uh, which was a cooperation between uh, Qatar Museums, Qatar University, and Maritime Archaeology Trust, and uh, University of New York, uh, University of York. Sorry. Um, which uh, underlined the existence of the remains underwater in the Bay of Zubara and which underlined the importance of these remains, of course, and further research in this area is needed to understand uh, what we have, because we have also the written evidence of sea battle, uh, battles in, in the Bay of Zubara, so it would be interesting and important to do a research also in that area. Uh, so the last element uh, of the of the um, area is the um, the Azubara Fort, which was built in 1938. It as actually um, following the traditional um, design of forts. So it's again building uh, square building, 25 by 25 meter. Uh, with an open courtyard and with uh, different rooms in one, uh, in two, two uh, um, sides of the uh, court and uh, arcades in uh, two other sides of the court. There is also um, a well, 15 meter deep well in the one of the corner of the courtyards, which supplies the Fort. The fort was built as police station to uh, protect the northwest uh, coast of Qatar, and uh, it was used also uh, partly as jail and, and then uh, as museum, and currently it is the visitor center of the World Heritage Site. So um, in, the, in the second level of the fort, uh, you can see that the, some uh, corner towers are only accessible from this area. And uh, so the, the base of the uh, uh, towers were filled with sand and only one is actually completely empty so that you can enter it from both uh, floors. Uh, so the ceiling of the uh, fort in, in the towers and also at the entrance is also the typical architecture of the region. So uh, we have uh, mangrove beams and we have uh, bamboo stripes which were coming from uh, East Asia and uh, then palm leaf mats in, uh, which is a very char characteristic um, um, architectural feature. Um, during the Kia um, project, the fort went um, uh, through a renovation, so all the infestation of the, of the mangrove beams and so on have been solved and uh, the mangrove beams have been treated and rebuilt again. And uh, as said, the fort was then utilized as a visitor center. So 
Uh, this brings us to the um, inscription of the site in 2013 to the World Heritage, um, UNESCO World Heritage Sites list. And, and Zubara fulfill uh, uh, three criteria. Uh, it is uh, actually the criteria three is um, to bear a unique or at least exceptional testimony, testimony uh, to a cultural tradition or to a civilization which is living or which has disappeared. And in this case, uh, Zubara is the only remaining complete urban uh, plan of an Arabian pearl merchant town. Other merchant towns like Abu Dhabi, Dubai, and, and, and have been overbuilt and, and only in smaller parts maybe preserved, but Zubara is preserved completely. And the criteria four is to be an outstanding example of a type of building architectural or technological ensemble or landscape which illustrates significant stage in human history. In this case, uh, Zubara is an example of a small independent state, which is actually the example of uh, the, which uh, shows the actually um, the period um, of when the Gulf states, today's Gulf states um, were founded. And last criteria is uh, to be an outstanding example of a traditional human settlement, land use or sea use, which is representative of a culture or human interaction with the environment, especially when it has become vulnerable under the impact of irreversible change. In this case, uh, Zubara gives um, a unique testimony uh, to the human interaction with both sea and the harsh desert environment. So Zubara fulfilled these three criteria and became a World Heritage Site. Today, when you come to the site, you will see, you will be um, hosted first in the fourth area where you can see the uh, visitor center, which is placed at the fort and then a site museum, a small site museum, and then you will be guided to the site itself. And then you can uh, do a self-guided tour in this um, approximately uh, one and a half kilometer long track where uh, several boards are um, placed. Uh, so you can see again, this is the visitor center, this is the small museum, and then the, the walking track within the site. Of course, there are challenges to manage the site because uh, since it is not very uh, high ground, so um, the differences uh, of the uh, flats um, have a great impact to the site itself. This is the entrance area of the site after a, a flash uh, flat and uh, after rain and also high uh, tide. Um, so uh, you see the air complete area is flooded and the site is in this case then uh, not accessible for several days. Uh, we have uh, further problems like extreme tides and floods and extreme temperatures and humidity, which uh, um, you know, uh, 
which uh, makes the, the, especially the architecture suffer a lot. There is high concentration of uh, salt in the ground and, and also in the walls. It is around or above 30% actually, which leads uh, that the, um, uh, that the plasters are really uh, bubbling after a while and, and, and exploding. And you can see this situation here and they are then damaged. Um, we have weak uh, construction material. The material used was the beach rock, uh, which is a conglomerate of shells and uh, limestone and, uh, and so on. So it is when it is open to weathers, it uh, dissolves very, very quickly. Um, and this is also a challenge to uh, uh, conserve this kind of walls. Um, and of course, this needs uh, continuous monitoring and maintenance all the time um, uh, to keep up and to open these areas to the tourists to visit. Um, as long as you excavate an area, you have to also, of course, uh, maintain this area. Um, otherwise, it makes more sense actually to backfill the area to preserve it further. Uh, so uh, right now, uh, our main goal is actually to do the maintenance of the areas, right? Uh, you see here again the North House where uh, my colleagues from the uh, Department of Architectural Conservations are uh, architectural conservation currently uh, working and um, uh, maintaining these areas to be opened for the visitors very soon. So this is a general idea about what you can see in the, uh, in the town when you come and visit us. And, and we are looking forward to see you at Zvara and come, please do come and do visit us. And I hope that I was able to uh, inspire you to, uh, to visit us here. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dr. Farhan Sako. I think I, I felt like I went through both like a museum tour and a tour of the site. So that's, that's ex extremely enlightening. Um, we'll save some time for questions, Q&A, about 10 minutes tops. And for questions, I'd like to invite our audience to put in your questions through the Zoom chat box, either to me or to MEI events. We'll then pass them on to me. Um, so as moderator, let me exercise the privilege of asking the first question. And, and that's something I realized when you were explaining about uh, Zubara, that the fact that about the city walls and you were saying that, you know, the attacks that you, you described came from, came from inland rather than the sea. And that was why the city walls was built inland. And so my question is because of so much of the excavated findings cover uh, more urban-like, early urban-like structures, uh, did you encounter any excavated findings that have to do with more tribal or Bedouin warfare, despite the fact that, you know, this is, of course, nomadic back in the day, but, you know, were there any findings in, in, in that area? Well, uh, findings, not directly, but we can uh, understand, of course, uh, a coastal town cannot uh, survive by itself. So the, the, 
you know, the, the area of Zubara, the, the uh, hinterland of Zubara was, of course, very important. And it was also important to interact with the Bedouins and to get, you know, uh, the products that the Bedouins were pro uh, producing through the, the uh, animal husbandry and so on. And, and uh, to exchange this with uh, things that uh, Zubara was receiving through the sea trade. So it is kind of a place where uh, different uh, goods were uh, exchanged uh, between different population and different, uh, um, uh, uh, let's say, different tribes or different professions. Thanks, Rohan. We've got one question from Herman Yeo about the contemporary uses of the Zubara fort. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Okay, right now is, um, the, I, I didn't want to, I, so uh, it's good that you are asking because I didn't want to explain a lot and I was hoping that somebody will ask in the, <laughs> during the Q&A so that I can tell a little bit more about it. Right now is the fort used as a visitor center for the World Heritage Site. So it explains actually everything about the history of site and how archaeologists are working and so on. And, um, but uh, there are further plans to build a new visitor center in the future, in the very near future, hopefully. And um, in this case, uh, the fort will be uh, um, uh, used for a different purpose, which is not yet uh, clear. Okay. Uh, another question from Tracy is about uh, the water source that you mentioned. Is Almurai water source that you mentioned was protected in the past still present? And if so, what is its current use? Uh, the current, and there is no current use actually, because the Murayir Fort area is uh, um, almost nothing is visible on the surface. So everything is uh, covered. Um, so if you want to see the structure of uh, Murayir Fort, you have to excavate it. So it is only archaeologically existing. There is nothing structure, standing walls, or etc. Uh, the wells are there in that area, but uh, since um, you know uh, the um, extensive use of groundwater in the 80s, 70s uh, through pumping, and these wells are now dry. So there is actually uh, no water. <laughs> so these are just remnants, remains of our past culture in that case, yeah. Thanks, Farhan. Uh, now, this is my question regarding the courtyard house that you that you mentioned. Um, the courtyard house really, you know, uh, is something typic typical of of the past houses, heritage houses in the Gulf. And and you know, you talked about the courtyard, the hush, the communal living, you know, and privacy. Um, and I wanted to know if besides, you know, in Zubara, you know, are there still preserved courtyard houses in the rest of Qatar? That you 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 came out whether in excavated excavated sites or just in general, you know across across the country. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, the courtyard houses is uh, the one of the most typical 
architecture of, of the um, uh, country actually. And, and when you come to Doha, uh, you can visit several houses which are still standing and, and uh, conserved and, and uh, partly open to public and will be open to public uh, very soon also, which has the uh, same elements of, of the courtyard house or the original elements of the courtyard houses and display uh, what a courtyard house is. Uh, especially if you are, I don't know, if you are familiar with um, uh, Doha, um, the area of Mushereb, which uh, was, uh, you know, which is in the center of Doha, and it was uh, redeveloped, uh, but during this redevelopment, uh, four houses were kept and uh, restored and now open as museums. And one of them, for example, Radwani House is a typical example of a courtyard house with an open courtyard and rooms surrounding this open courtyard. This is of course a townhouse where um, the houses are a little bit smaller, but um, uh, probably in, in Zubara, we have this very large houses partly. And, um, and uh, also in Doha, there, there were some uh, larger houses, but uh, remaining uh, houses are uh, really uh, small. Of course, we have the forts, uh, which follows the same principle, actually. Uh, so open courtyard and with uh, rooms surrounding it, uh, but then with corner towers. And, and uh, in that case, there are several forts and palaces, so-called palaces in, in Doha also, that you can visit and, and appreciate this kind of architecture. Thanks, Farhan. Um, another question from the floor by uh, Zabia Mohanadi. Uh, um, she says, thanks for the informative session. Uh, could you tell us where the date farms were located that produced the dates used in the Maccabis? <laughs> this is a very nice question. So um, we know that there were field systems uh, neighboring um, Murair. Uh, there are also in the hinterland of uh, Zubara uh, some areas uh, where um, agriculture was uh, done. Uh, uh, but the date farms uh, probably in that uh, scale uh, didn't exist uh, to you know sustain this kind of industry which was uh, existing actually in, in Zubara. So uh, we have actually no uh, exact idea where the dates were coming. I mean there are of course ideas that uh, it was coming from uh, Saudi Arabia of course uh, but we don't know exactly 100%, uh, we cannot say, yeah. Thank you. And one last question to wrap up our discussion for today. And this is from uh, Valerie Go. And, and the question is, uh, is the future of heritage tourism in Qatar linked to Zubara site? Will, will the Zubara site develop to the extent of Petra in Jordan, for example? Well, we are on the way to redevelop the site. The site, as I um, uh, tried to, to explain at the end of the presentation, is open to public right now, uh, which uh, this is a concept which was generated by Kia team at the end of their um, project. 
and it is just displaying a very, very small part of the town. Right now, we are trying to extend this uh, visitor trails um, uh, towards all the excavated areas, actually, to give a round picture of the site uh, to the visitors. And we are on the way to build a new um, um, uh, the visitor center, of course, and the entire town uh, will be redeveloped. Yeah, very soon. Thank you for taking the questions. And also, of course, thank you to the audience for putting through these questions in a very quick fire questions one after another. So thank you. And I'd like to thank Dr. Sakal for the wonderful presentation today and also his organization, Qatar Museums. I also like to thank the Qatar Embassy here for helping to organize this event. And in particular, I'd like to single out Mr. Sakara Muhanandi, the Deputy, Deputy Chief of Mission for helping out uh, in the logistics of putting together this, this event. And of course, my own uh, events team at MEI. So I look forward to further collaborative projects with the Qatar Embassy. And I'd like to also invite the audience and a quick shout out is also that we have upcoming events next week on JCPOA negotiations and also on China Middle East relations. So if you're interested, please go on to our upcoming events website to have a look and do join us as well. So thank you again, Farhan, for joining me thank today. I think it was a very informative me. session. Mm -hmm. And thank you everyone for, for being with us. See you again next time. Bye. Have a nice day. Bye.